Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s. And Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey. We created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Today on the podcast, we sit down with Siobhan Sarna. Siobhan is the founder of the SIBO SOS Summits and creator of the docuseries Digestion SOS, Rescue and Relief for IBS, SIBO, and Leaky Gut. She has spent the past 20 years on TV as a host for the Home Shopping Network. Siobhan shares with us the intricate nature of her personal journey and diagnosis with SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, and how she dove into the science to form a greater understanding of it so that she could help others suffering from the frustrating and debilitating symptoms it often creates. Her new book called Healing SIBO, Fix the Real Cause of IBS, Bloating, and Weight Issues in 21 Days offers an array of resources to folks battling IBS and SIBO in their own lives. We had a great conversation with Siobhan and appreciate her sharing her knowledge on the show today. This episode is brought to you by our health coaching subscription service on Patreon. The Courageous Wellness Collective has expanded on Patreon to bring our listeners and clients an all-access, accessible platform to educate, inform, and create nutrition and lifestyle habits to meet your personal goals. For $8.99 a month, patrons will receive weekly video content on topics ranging from blood sugar stabilization, gut health, hormone balance, energy, sleep, skin health, how to shop the grocery store, pantry staples, and much more. Included, you'll also receive access to monthly virtual webinars, recipes, and special guest content too. With this subscription, you are guaranteed at least four pieces of fresh health coaching content each month. To learn more and become a patron, visit www.patreon.com slash courageous wellness, or check out our show notes. We look forward to welcoming you to our coaching community. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Siobhan. Thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast. You guys have been at it for a while. And uh, let, let's get into poop and, you know, constipation, diarrhea, and gas, honey. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be uh, full, full, fully graphic for anyone who wants to, uh, to listen and tune in today. Um, to get us started, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your personal journey and your personal background and, and then how it sort of led you into this? into this topic? 
Uh, well, I have been on HSN, your favorite shopping channel, for 22 years, and I started to really feel quite bad about five years ago. It turns out mold had become a major player uh, in Florida. It's very easy to have a lot of mold because, like, we're under sea level, basically. And slowly but surely, like, I was just feeling worse and worse and more and more swollen. And about five years ago, I, like, in earnest really started to try to figure out what was wrong with me. And that's how I discovered SIBO. But prior to that, um, when I was five, I went to India with my parents on a buying trip. They were merchants and got food poisoning and was never really the same afterwards. And my dad being Indian, he, you know, with his Ayurvedic background of just growing up and like knowing you had to poop every day, <laughs> which is not always common knowledge in the States. He asked my mom, like, is Siobhan going regularly? And so my mom asked me because she was kind of like not sure. And I remember feeling like, stop getting in my beeswax here. Like, get out. Like, you know, I'm four and five years old, people. Okay. <laughs> this is what I'm thinking about back then. Like the shame factor, like came in a little bit. Um, also, we had this poster on the wall in the bathroom. And it was the first thing I ever memorized because I was in the bathroom so <laughs> much. Anyway, um, then we went on a field trip for my fancy New York elementary school and we went to the country from Manhattan and I milked a cow like with the other kids milk that's cute cute yeah little kids on the udders and we drank some of that milk without it being pasteurized so I got really sick again and then I really was not myself after that or not the way it had been um, in terms of regularity and um, I then grew up with like this little bloated belly and I was a skinny kid with the tummy and it looked like I was Sally Struthers poster child those poor little kids if you're too young to know who she is never mind um, anyway so bottom line is you know it wasn't terrible it was okay, you know, was, uh, I don't poop that much, no big deal. My girlfriends, you know, we're, you know, sister poops a lot, whatever. But I got into health food like at 14 years old, which is really early. And thank God my mom was into it. We did food combining like a religion at my house for a couple of years, which is like back then quite advanced. Went to the University of Florida, lived in the sorority house, had a special deal uh, with the kitchen contract because I didn't eat all the food because I was so into like health food, bless their hearts. They were like, sure, we'll take some off the top. And, you know, would be really strict all week. And then I would drink my Bartles and James wine coolers like a fish and water on the weekends. And then I'd take a whole week to try to recover. And, you know, I was okay. But then fast forward, big career, a lot of stress, the mold factor. Um, it really started to be like, uh, do I have cancer? because this isn't sustainable. I can't go on like this. I had brain fog so, so intensely one day that I couldn't speak. Like I was stuttering and I literally, if my life depended on it, could not say a word. Like there's this moment and um, it scared me very, very much. And I thought, oh, well, something, okay, this stuff got to give. So I went to a gastroenterologist for the first time. This was about five, six years ago. And he basically said, here's an antidepressant, huh? jog three miles a, a day. He's in my book referred to as the run three miles a day doctor. And um, basically, see you, love you, bye. And that was just pissing me off. So I, and I wasn't, uh, yeah, I, I, like, is he telling me that I'm depressed and it's all in my head? Like, what, what does he mean by that? He basically just said he had an IBS, see ya. So I didn't, I wasn't getting better. And I had lunch with a girlfriend, which is why it's so important to talk to your girlfriends about all these things. And she said, well, I found a great gastroenterologist, Dr. Michael Schulman out of Largo, Florida. And I call him my digestion detective. And he spent two hours with me on my first appointment, which is like a mir miracle. And he really um, guided a lot of the beginning. And I guided him too. when I would like walk in with studies about, okay, here's the drug I need to take. Write me a script. He was great. And bottom line is, I discovered that SIBO existed, small intestine bacterial overgrowth. The symptoms that aligned with my, my case were bloating and then more bloating, uh, diarrhea, constipation, alternating diarrhea, constipation. If anyone's listening to this and can relate, like that's sparking your interest and you have rosacea, restless leg syndrome, you have adhesions from surgery, um, you have endometriosis, uh, you've been on opioids even after dental surgery. You've consumed a ton of alcohol. 
you um, have a deep anesthesia, you have scleroderma, which of course is much more serious. Any of those things, and there are more, could be an underlying cause for small intestine bacterial overgrowth, which is the other side of the coin for IBS, the number one gastroenterology issue in the world. A little bit about my story, ladies. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing your story. We're so excited to get in and unpack. I know we mentioned before the conversation, I know our listeners know this. Um, and I feel like our listeners are also very interested in gut health. We haven't done an episode specifically about SIBO yet. So again, so much to unpack here. Can you, before we get into the nitty gritty and the details, cause I know Allie and I both have so many thoughts. Um, can you just really, I know you briefly just mentioned, but can you talk about what SIBO is, right? Like what it is, what are the, um, just break down maybe a little yeah. bit more in depth. What is yeah. SIBO? If anybody what? listening, hasn't heard of it. Haven't heard of it for sure, and it's impacting so many people. And I used to kind of think it was IBS misspelled because it's SIBO, and I was like, I'm so confused. But bottom line is, is that SIBO is when the small intestine bacterial overgrowth is when bacteria from the large intestine, the microbiome, ends up in the small intestine, which is actually by comparison quite sterile by comparison. And when it gets in that small intestine, it feeds on the carbohydrates that we eat and fibers and can overgrow because it doesn't get swept out because the mechanism is off track, which I'll explain. And you um, become a microbrewery. And that's where the bloating comes from because these path, they're not even pathogens really, because it could even be good bacteria. When these, when these organisms consume your nutrition and your fiber and fart out either methane gas, hydrogen gas, or hydrogen sulfide gas, which is why you bloat. And it also impacts your nutritional, your ability to absorb nutrition because your small intestine is where we get our absorption from. And it causes all of these, you know, irregularities in your bowel patterns to be, you know, quite kind of fancy about it. So that's SIBO. Now, IBS is a diagnosis of exclusion. You don't have Crohn's, you don't have a tumor, you don't have um, inflammatory bowel disease, you don't have this or that. And so you have yes, And then what do you do? You get on a low FODMAP diet, which is a diet of low um, fermentable carbohydrates, meaning that, that, you know, it's not low carb like keto. It's just a series of particular foods that you want to avoid and you want to um, consume based on the FODMAP acronym, which stands for a bunch of syllables that are really just these particular sugars in, in food. So the problem with that is that you're not really addressing the underlying cause. And those were some that I listed. And then you're just stuck in this diet zone for so long. And why do you have IBS? Like, that's what I want to know. I want to know why you have IBS. Maybe you can get to your underlying cause and you can cure it or you at least can manage it. So this is irritating me to say the least because there are, and I love food. I love these women and men who are making great recipes and having blogs all about the low FODMAP diet, carry on, but help everybody figure out why they have IBS to begin with. And don't just make it about consuming this food, calming down. Okay. So, so help me. Okay. Yeah. I, I can go on about that. It pisses me off, obviously. I, I, um, agree. <laughs> and as someone who had it, I, I dealt with it about two, almost three years ago now. Um, and it took probably six months overall, which I think is really short in the grand scheme of what many people go through for me, um, to treat and, um, understand what it was and, you know, get tested, get diagnosed, all the stuff, but it does manifest sometimes differently in different people. I, and I'd love to talk a little bit about that. And before we do, I just wanted to comment on the fact that you were saying like, why don't we figure out what the underlying cause is? Like where all of a sudden this came from? And I can relate to that because I had never experienced digestive issues before. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like every evening I would go from looking sort of my regular body to looking maybe six months, seven months pregnant. Mm -hmm. I was so uncomfortable. And like you said, sometimes it goes between, um, like diarrhea, constipation, um, 
there's all sorts of really just like, you can't think about anything else. Sometimes it's so consuming and we live in a medical system that is built on treating symptoms, not on finding the cause. So I even had, and I had actually a great gastroenterologist, but he said to me, oh, once I got this positive SIBO test that all my IBS symptoms were not related. And I was like, no, no, they're related. Like I can tell you. They are related. Oh yeah. You told him. That's what I told him. That's what I told him. I was like, no, no, I'm telling you that they are related. And he's like, no, they're separate things. And I'm like, no. Um, Because once he started to treat the SIBO, the IBS symptoms started to go away. So I guess there's a lot in there, but one, I want to understand if you could uh, share a little bit about how, in addition to maybe what we just covered, it can manifest differently. Like you mentioned certain things, different parts of the body, brain fog. Um, Erica was even mentioning, I think that sometimes people can like throw up and there can be like some sort of, I don't know. Nausea. There's a lot of nausea Nausea there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And but it can manifest differently and even show up as issues that might like might affect parts of our body that aren't typically associated even with the gut. So, um, yeah, I'd love you to speak to that a little bit. Well, restless leg syndrome is one of them. Rosacea, skin issues, um, insomnia, you know, it's a whole list of things that like just make you feel like you're aging prematurely or you like you have a, you know, chronic condition like, or a fatal condition like cancer in some cases. I mean, you just really feel like, I was well, and now I'm not, and it's not good. (laughs) So uh, there are a lot of different, you know, we have a big Facebook group, the SIBO SOS Facebook group with 18,000 people in it. And so I see everybody's symptoms all the time talking about uh, GERD and um, insomnia and anxiety and all of these things that can impact it because the gut is second brain. And um, when it's messed up, everything else is, you know, going to eventually be messed up if you don't deal with it. The thing is, is that I want to get back to this concept of is IBS SIBO, is SIBO IBS, are they related? And the answer is absolutely yes, they are related. And Dr. Mark Pimentel out of Cedar sinai is the one who has been leading the way with medications. I think he's going to find a cure in this lifetime. I pray for him every day. And he's also the one who created a blood test to tell you if you have post-infectious IBS from food poisoning. Mm. So this is what I've been like shouting from the mountaintops because 10% of the people who get food poisoning, which is in the billions, right, of who gets food poisoning, um, will get SIBO or or post-infectious IBS. Like, let's be technical. It's post-infectious IBS, but it turns into SIBO. Um, So here's the thing. There's a function in your small intestine called the migrating motor complex. So after the peristalsis has happened, after the digestion, you know, is, is happened. um, And like, so don't think of it as like peristalsis in the colon moving your feces, but like, here's a micro function that's in the small intestine. It's called the migrating motor complex. And it sweeps out the last debris of food and bacteria. It's a cleansing wave. Mm-hmm. You can't feel it. Although sometimes if, you're, if your stomach gurgles, um, you, that, that could be one of the sort of signs. That it, like it's a good thing. If your stomach's gurgling, it's a good thing. It's your MMC moving. And the migrating motor complex cannot move and activate if by the way you have food in your stomach. So meal spacing is really important if you have SIBO. And like, sometimes I think people love intermittent fasting because actually part of it is that their migrating motor complex is actually able to work. So if you have had uh, food poisoning and then you have um, this issue of post-infectious IBS and you can do this blood test called IBS smart test. It's I think it's ibsmart.com. And it can tell you if you have these antibodies and the antibodies are to uh, are to the food poisoning, okay? So then through molecular mimicry and confusion, which freaks me out because I know my body's so intelligent. I'm like, why did you get dumb? <laughs> the, the, um, there's confusion in the small intestine and those antibodies impact the ability for your body to have the migrating motor complex work well. That's how the food poisoning leads to the slow cleansing of the small intestine and how it can overgrow. So that's just one of the underlying causes, but I think it's the most common 
but also adhesions, which can be like their internal scars, right? After you have surgery, the body's trying to put itself together. Um, you get kicked in the stomach by a horse or a softball nails you in the belly. The body's like, freak out, let's hold you all together. Those adhesions are actually really helpful in some cases, but they can grab tissue, including that of the small intestine, and that can impact the migrating motor complex, MMC. Mm -hmm. So that's where endometriosis, adhesions, um, you know, all of these scar tissue scleroderma can impact the physical positioning of your small intestine in your body, which can impact the migrating motor complex. When that happens, you may have to perpetually treat the SIBO, which I will tell you how to do that. And then be sure you're on something called a prokinetic, which actually activates the migrating motor complex, which is super cool because it helps to prevent relapse. Did you do that, Allie? Did you do a prokinetic? I did. Um, I did an antibiotic or I did a, a course of Zyfaxin. And then yeah. I also did, um, I did sort of an integrative approach. I also did an herbal I guess prokinetics can also be herbal, can't they? Yeah, ginger is an herbal prokinetic. Yeah. Um, there's some like modal pro is a combo. Motegrity is a drug, a pharmaceutical. I did. I worked with an herbalist. So she did, um, she gave me sort of a combination, a protocol. Um, and we did a, like a dysbiocide um, as well. I did have... And then I also did a short-term um, low FODMAP, but I did that very short-term. And I did have a bit of a relapse, which is common, which I we can talk to you about. But I was able to treat it um, awesome. pretty naturally at that point. I didn't have to go back and do any uh, more medicine. So... Um, it was quite, it was quite the process though. And I think overall I was pretty fortunate in the fact okay. that I was able to, um, eliminate it, but it took a long time to be back to what I would say was my normal. So yeah. even though the severe symptoms went away, I would say within six months, um, it probably took another year and I was feeling like 90%. But then over over time, now I would say at sort of this year, I'm probably back to what I would consider my normal. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been a process. And I know people struggle with it for years and years and go on and off antibiotics. And like just speaking with you about MMC, I, I feel like I didn't even have that level of conversation with my, um, with my gastrointestinal doctor. Yeah. And so – it's pretty remarkable, actually, um, you sharing in depth about that. So can you tell us a little bit more about, about that treatment? Yeah, Erica, what are you, what are you, what are you thinking? Well, Erica? I was just going to say, before we go into that, you know, I think it's really interesting, everything that you're speaking about, and I'm sure for our listeners too, because, you know, Ali, I think when you got SIBO, you were also engrossed in this world, right? Of wellness. I think we were already back in school when you got diagnosed with SIBO or was that before? It was school? right. It was right before we went back to school. But either way, like your interests, right? Like you're about to, like you are, you have so much awareness. And, um, I just learned about, um, everything that you just described when I went back to school, I took an advanced course in gut health as well after I completed nutrition school. And that was the first time I learned about that. But it's so interesting to me because I think a lot of people are just used to feeling unwell, right? So Ali, because like you mentioned, you had, you went from the morning to being, you know, flat stomach to feeling seven months, looking seven months pregnant. I saw the pictures, you know, um, at the end of the day, she sent me these pictures and it was shocking. That's pretty clear. But like you're saying, Siobhan, there's so many, right? Not as extreme symptoms. And to be honest, I think I may have even had SIBO a few years ago. I was diagnosed with GERD. And after I went back to school, after I took the gut course, I was like, oh, I had SIBO like a hundred percent. That's what was going on. Um, but I say all of this, it can be really confusing for a lot of people, you know, because you do go to the doctor, like you're saying, and they tell you it's IBS or myself included, I was just diagnosed with GERD. And so I still don't know exactly what was going on and why it stopped. Um, but how do we, right? Like, because 
all of the symptoms you're mentioning could also be so many other things, right? Like that's, what's so hard about our medical system is it's not this whole approach. So as you mentioned, I guess that's my question. If you have had food poisoning before, if you have had surgery, if you have had some sort of like softball to the gut injury, are those like trigger signs? Like we're talking about that maybe then we can explore SIBO or be more of an advocate for our listeners to be like, this is SIBO as opposed to maybe something else. Cause I think that's why it can be so confusing. And I think that's why people can get so overwhelmed with their health and wellness is because our medical system, like even your experience, right. That you shared, isn't really trained to help us get to the root and solve what's really going on. It, it, it really takes a practitioner super curious and is committed to ongoing learning. So in, in terms of someone's been practicing for a really long time, cause they just don't teach it in medical school. And Here's the thing, you're talking about normalizing this feeling of unwellness and being okay with having bottles of Maalox in your purse and in the bathroom and by your bed, which is what I certainly did. I was on Prilosec for seven years. I was Nexium, whatever. Um, So I, I can relate to the, you know, that's what I live my life. It was just normalized. This was normal for me. And that's dangerous. And, you know, Dr. Oz, um, who I used to really love and I think is, you know, with these changing times has gotten really complicated. And I think he's done a great service for so many people to um, to help them and get like a little bit more information of digging a little bit deeper, like, oh, maybe I should ask this question. So um, I really appreciate everything that he's done. Um, He's gotten into crime things though. And that like kind of freaks me out. But anyway, <laughs> back, back, to, back to this. Dr. Oz, I'm available if you'd like me on your show, by the way. Um, here's the thing. He told people once to be very careful of elastic waist pants because you don't notice that you're getting bigger. So I thought that was really interesting because on HSN, I also sell like clothes that are super stretchy. It's <laughs> totally appropriate for me and tunics to cover the tummy. So that's a, that was like a sign to me, a reminder. Don't normalize this, right? Don't think that this is okay long-term. And by the way, it does mimic a lot of other things like candida, like parasites. I mean, the list of, if you have bloating, constipation, diarrhea, alternating constipation, diarrhea, fatigue, you could have parasites or you could have candida or you could have all three mm-hmm. and normalize all of it. And so you, and, and also bloating could be ovarian cancer, not to scare anybody, but like that's a real deal. That is a real possibility of a symptom of ovarian cancer. I'm not saying you have ovarian cancer. Just saying your body's trying to something, people. We need to listen to it. This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Guys, I am so excited to share our new sponsor, Milk and Honey, with you because I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle, aluminum-free, baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean, aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands, and each and every time I was plagued with those red, itchy bumps under my arm on top of not feeling confident whatsoever that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only never once gave me those pesky little red bumps, but also passed the smell test, even after some of LA's toughest workout classes. This is my ride or die deodorant, and we are so excited to partner with them. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female founded and funded brand. And in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. We are so excited to share a new discount code with our listeners for Recess. Recess is a wellness and lifestyle brand that offers hemp-infused beverages designed to help people relax. 
An antidote to modern times, Recess offers us all a moment to reset and rebalance with their flavorful, unique combination of hemp extract and adaptogenic sparkling water made with real fruit. A wonderful alcohol alternative or just a fun afternoon treat to keep you calm, cool, and collected. With flavors including blackberry chai, blood orange, black cherry, peach ginger, and pomegranate hibiscus, they offer 6 and 12 packs, subscriptions, and sampler packs for your enjoyment. My two favorite flavors are the coconut lime and the black cherry, but I truly love them all and can't recommend the sampler pack enough, which is where I started. To save 15% on all beverages or subscriptions, you can use code COURAGEOUS at checkout when you visit takearecess.com. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. What I would suggest if any of this resonates with you is to get a SIBO breath test which is a test that I'm sure is very memorable, Allie, when you took it. Yeah. There, there are three um, kinds of gas that can now be tested for. TrioSmart is a new breath test that does uh, test for hydrogen sulfide, hydrogen producers, as well as methane producers. Uh, Aerodiagnostic Labs is also a great lab that works with hydrogen and methane. So you do this, you drink this fluid that's lactulose after doing a prep diet and fasting for 12 hours, then you drink this sugar substrate that the body doesn't absorb, but that the critters love. And then you breathe into a test tube every 20 minutes for three hours. It's called the SIBO lactulose breath test. And it can tell you what, what levels of gas you have. And that's how they can tell what your level of bacterial overgrowth is. And then you can, based on which type of gas you have, you can treat it. So the SIBO breath test is imperative. Let's say it comes back negative. Okay, box checked make sure you do your prep right and everything, but box check, move on to a para wellness parasite test. I, okay, not not that, okay, fine. Hey, do the questionnaire for candida. That's basically free, you can do that simultaneously. So let's say it is positive. What are you gonna do about it? You can do herbal, like you were talking about, Allie. There are like candybactin AR, candybactin BR together have been studied mm-hmm. and were shown to be slightly more effective than the prescriptions, which also are effective of Zyfaxin, which is the brand name for Rifaximin. And if you have the methane producers, Neobiosin, Neomycin combined with Rifaximin. Mm. The herbals will take a month to give you the same effect as the two weeks of the pharmaceuticals. And what's weird is that you may have to do multiple treatments. So I was used to taking the antibiotic being well after the antibiotic was done. But this was like, okay, you dropped your levels of gas, meaning you dropped the load of the bacteria to a certain extent because you retest after the treatment. And if your doctor's not suggesting that, suggest it to them. Then you may have to do multiple rounds to get it to become a negative breath test. But there is a third option in treatment that is actually the most efficient, but it's also the most difficult and it's called the elemental diet. It used to be... um, the formulation tasted like vomit and I'm not kidding. It's amino acids, which, you know, amino acids can be sweet. They can be bitter. They can be disgusting. And so the um, elemental diet was originally designed for feeding tubes. And so no one cared about the taste and it's a way to have a liquid diet, still get nutrition and starve the bacteria instead of killing them in a predatory way. Good news, I have good news. And that is is that uh, Integrative Therapeutics has now Physician's Elemental Diet, which is tastier, certainly doesn't taste like vomit. Dr. Michael Ruscio also has a a couple of formulations and there are more. And you can find out some of those formulations at SIBOinfo.com and in my book, Healing SIBO. That's Dr. Allison Seebecker's website and my website, SIBOinfo, that's uh, SIBOSOS.com. We have like coupons for Dr. Ruscio and stuff. So it's a great way to save some, some bucks there. But- The elemental diet is hard because you're doing a liquid diet for 14 to 17 days. You need to make sure you retest um, so that you don't have some remnants and then start to eat again and feed them. You really want to eradicate it, but it's very, very effective. And a lot of people say, oh, I wish I had done the elemental diet first, just because it would have been like closer to the idea of one and done. If you have an underlying cause, which by the way, try to avoid food poisoning at all costs, because once you have food poisoning, you will be more susceptible to food poisoning. But if you have an underlying cause that can be um, resolved, 
uh, like endometriosis and you have the surgery, but you also could create adhesions that way. Um, you might be able to be SIBO free forever. And that'd be awesome after the first round of treatment and then stay on a prokinetic and then eventually wean off. Awesome. However, if you do have the antibodies like I do, I have to manage it. Mm. But what's so cool is I feel hundred percent better managing a chronic condition than worrying about curing it at this stage. Of course I want to cure it, but in the meanwhile, I'm having a great time. I feel so much better. And I, I know my body more. I, you know, pay attention to my diet, but I'm not crazy anymore about it. I'm not overthinking every bite, which, you know, food, um, food disorder, eating disorders are a real thing and can, it's a slippery slope. So really work with a nutritionist who can guide you properly, especially if you have a tendency for um, a really complicated relationship with food. Yeah. Thank you. I think that's really great advice. And it's also hopeful in the sense that there's more information coming out about this. I think even three years ago when I, you know, had the diagnosis, it was still like a lot of scrambling and hearing one thing from one person and one thing from another, but like resources like your book, and it's becoming more and more common for people to understand why they're not feeling, why their like level of normal is is kind of feeling yucky for like lack of a better way to describe it. Um, you know, as Erica was talking about like normalizing, not feeling great. And, um, I think it's hopeful that there are different sort of methodologies. And even now I'm learning about from you about the, um, antibodies from, Mm -hmm. and then from food poisoning too. Like I knew that was one of the potential ways to contract it, but you can read so many different things and I wasn't sure how I contracted it or developed it. If you want to say like developed it, but I had had terrible food poisoning earlier that year. Dun, dun, dun. Now it's like, (laughs) right. And then it could have been, you took some antibiotics for a UTI and then another contributing factor. And then it just, the cup becomes full. Uh, uh, Antibiotic use is also an underlying cause of SIBO, by the way. So it's ironic that Zyfaxin, Rifaximin is a very effective way to treat SIBO, but it just stays in the small intestine. So it's a different kind of antibiotic. Hope is out there. Absolutely. Hardly anybody had heard about SIBO in my world five years ago. Um, when, and I was like, Dr. Google, you know, I'm a researcher by nature. And I just was like, I've been in health, in health food and health since I was like 14 years old. I didn't have a license when I first started getting into health. I mean, that's a long time, even though I'm very young. And um, it was really irritating me. And, and I'm like, I know there's an answer out there. And so I, I, I'm very mission driven. I had a yoga studio for 10 years, poor as a church mouse, but rich in love and helping people. You know, I'm very mission driven. And I just really sort of reevaluated stuff. And I was like, look, God, we in all forms. If you help me, I am bargaining with you, trying not to, but if you help me, just know that I'm going to get the word out. Like I am committed to sharing this information with other people because I don't want them going through what I went through. And if I'm going through that with insurance, with time on my hand, with a college education and an incredible amount of desire to be well, if I'm having such a hard time, then other people must be just like totally lost and freaking out, which is why I started the SIBO SOS community, but also it started with a summit. So I started with the SIBO SOS summit. Then I started with the, then I went into the SIBO SOS summit too. Then the IBS and SIBO SOS summit, then the microbiome rescue summit. Right now I'm just wrapping up the lymphatic rescue summit as a tribute to my mom who had lymphoma in in the nineties and no one knew anything about it. But this was, um, actually combined with this idea of, I'm going to write a book, but writing a book is not simple people. Yeah. isn't either, but I'm a TV person. So I know how to do a summit. And, um, during this process, I was still keeping the outline, still doing notes, still writing stuff down and grabbing tidbits going, Oh, I got to put that in the book. So eventually, and finally I, you know, got my book agent, God bless them, Avery, you know, random house, we just published February 2nd and um, it's helping a lot of people and it's also 20 bucks. 
Like if someone had said to me, give me $20 and I will tell you what is going on with you and save you so much time, energy, and money and give you advice about what supplements to buy versus not to buy. When you think about how expensive a bottle is, who knows what yeah. I'm like, uh, even if this wasn't my book, I'd still be doing a tour for it. Because <laughs> like, well, I wish I had known back then. Yeah. Yes. Well, can we talk about the book? It's called Healing SIBO Fix the Real Cause of IBS Bloating and Weight Issues in 21 Days. So, can you talk to us about that? Because 21 days, what can we do in 21 days to heal SIBO, gut issues, bloating, yeah. weight? So, 21 Days is very much a publishing house, you know, uh, piece of um, candy. So, <laughs> In 21 days, you will not probably be able to resolve your SIBO, but you will have a plan. Definitely, you can order that SIBO breath test. And very quickly, which is so cool, uh, you can really resolve a lot of your diet, your, your symptoms with a diet. So this is important. SIBO diets, low FODMAP diets do not cure SIBO or IBS. They do, however, manage your symptoms. Mm-hmm. So you can feel a heck of a lot better in like maybe two or three days, which is beautiful. So the SIBO specific food guide is in this book, which is what Dr. Allison Seebecker created. And, you know, you have a chart, it's, you know, very easy to follow. And that's a great place to start. But also on page 110 is this algorithm that tells you, we call it the SIBO recovery roadmap. It was created by Dr. Mark Pimentel and Dr. Seebecker and Dr. Steven Sandberg-Lewis. And I added even a little bit to it. And it tells you what to do, symptom relief, three-hour lactulose breath test, choose a treatment, elemental, herbal, or antibiotics, test again. Oh, you're well, great. Manage it with prokinetics and a diet. Oh, you need to test again, treat again. Okay. You test again, you treat again, and you go through the cycle. So let's say you already have taken a breath test. You can pop in anywhere on this. So that's the guide. And it's all explained in the book, including how to get through the day including lots of practical tips, some stories, some funny stories, some embarrassing stories, some sad stories in there about my life with it. And then 40 plus recipes in the back that are based on the SIBO specific food guide. I'm a vegetarian. It's even harder because the SIBO thrives off of fiber and veggies. But what I figured is if you're not a vegetarian, slap a chicken breast on any of the recipes. I mean, like you guys pick your protein. It's the hardest part is being a vegetarian and doing a SIBO diet. So I figured if I covered that and it was delicious, anyone could slap whatever they wanted on top of it. Well, I, I think that's so interesting because, um, like I said, I'm very passionate about gut health and fiber is so like fiber is what feeds the good bugs. But I think Ali, that's what I remember you talking about when you got SIBO is that it's not intuitive on how to eat, right? Like we talk so much about intuitive eating or even everything. And we always disclaim and, you know, our coaching videos and everything that we do that if you have serious issues, or if you're adding fiber to your diet and you feel worse, well, there could be something going on, but that's just interesting. You mentioned that because Ali, I remember you specifically saying to me when you had SIBO, it's like the least intuitive way to eat. Yeah. yeah. I I'm glad you actually brought that up because right. Things like fermented foods and things like certain, you know, rich vegetables, which apples, apples. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, again, it's, also with Siobhan, you were talking about certain carbohydrates that ferment, um, with certain sugars, et cetera. I wouldn't know if it's like, wait, should I, you know, normally it's like, can I eat asparagus? Like asparagus is good for you. You know what I mean? Like that's what was not intuitive about it. Even when you do the, when you do the low FODMAP and things like you know, Erica and I talk about generally always like how great fiber is, you know, you want natural sources of fiber, you want fermented foods, but I had to give up the fermented foods. I had to give up the kraut and the kombucha and all of that stuff, which in a normal flourishing gut environment can be wonderful for that and and really beneficial. But when you are suffering with SIBO, that is like, food for the the food for the guys that you, you want to like calm down, not activate. And so, um, yes, that was very challenging because it absolutely wasn't intuitive. And, um, so I think if I had had your book three years ago, I mean, I, I imagine like what a wonderful resource that could have been. Yeah. First of all, you won't feel alone. That's like a huge part of it too. 
Second of all, you'll get the treatments, the dosage, work with the practitioner, how to find a practitioner, how to talk to a practitioner, what labs are running these tests. Um, it, it literally is everything I wish I had known. And, and also a message of hope and talking about grieving about the life you just lost or left behind and can't wait to get back to it. Um, and what it is like to treat a chronic condition versus being cured, some of the things I've talked about, because I, I think uh, that's not talked enough about. And also, you know, the, the, the you used to be on Cosmopolitan Magazine, if they put how to make six pack abs on the cover, like they would sell more magazines in a month than they did in a year or something ridiculous. The, the societal norms around flat bellies in women in the United States is changing, granted, but it's deep. I mean, that is a very deeply rooted beauty point. And so bloating is very, um, you're very vulnerable when you feel bloated on a variety of levels. And so I wanted to help people with their bloat, ultimately getting to the root of it. I mean, I would have people ask me if I was pregnant, well, you know, on Facebook or whatever, oh, you're glowing, you know, when does the baby do? It a lot, but you remember like the three times it did. Right. And, and I was like, oh, the, you know, the spank didn't work that day or whatever. But also if you're underweight, SIBO can be a contributing factor to that. If you're overweight, yes, it can also be a contributing factor, but you can die from being underweight. And so that's why I didn't call it or lose weight. I call it and, and weight issues because it's, it's both. And it doesn't have to be this way. You can control it or work with it and you can manage it. And, you know, I remember being in my kitchen, eating an apple, like I was hungry. I knew whatever I was eating was going to trigger me. So this is pre, you know, knowledge and, but just a little bit of knowledge. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to eat an apple. Apple a day keeps the doctor away. And I, I hadn't eaten anything before. And I really remember I hadn't eaten anything after I ate that apple and it was the one of the worst things I could have possibly done just because of the FODMAP content in it. And I really felt worse. And I'm like, well, screw that, you know, little saying broccoli can cause a lot of gas. Even if you have a normal microbiome, garlic can be treacherous for people with SIBO. Onions can be super difficult, but there are lots of tricks like use garlic infused oil, take the garlic out after you sort of saute it in the oil, it'll taste like garlic. Um, there are tons of tricks from people who have gone there before us and done that. And then a lot of uh, ideas that I came up with on my own. So there is hope, hang in there. I hope you don't have SIBO, but if you do, please treat it because it can lead to long-term complications with iron levels and B12 levels. Like there's a lot of reasons to really treat it um, one of the doctors I interviewed felt theoretically in her clinical observations that it could impact fertility. Mm -hmm. So that was really interesting. So it's definitely worth resolving um, and getting a hold, uh, uh, getting a handle on it, right? Like you doing your best to try to treat it. It's also very empowering, right? You don't yeah. feel like a victim. Absolutely. And you feel better overall too. I oh, think yeah, that's just that. like the long-term health benefits, of course, you want to treat it for those reasons, but even the more short-term, which is just like how I feel throughout the day yeah. um, and not have to focus that energy. I think that's something that it's like to not always be fixated on the fact that like, oh, I ate an apple and now I feel terrible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, the more information we have, the more empowering it is. That's sort of our thought with this podcast too, in general, and any of the topics that we cover. So people can take the information that works for them and might be relevant to them and figure out how it best applies to their life or if it applies to their life. And so, um, yeah, so thank you for sharing that. And, and also I think that you just touched on to the fact that it can affect nutrient absorption mm -hmm. and that over that, you know, like we know our gut affects so many aspects of our overall health. And we're learning more and more and more about that as the years go on. And um, I know my vitamin D levels were like drastically low the last, you know, even, even now I have to like highly supplement. Um, so it definitely affected nutrition absorption. And um, yeah, so anyway, just good, good things for people to think about. And um, 
Guys, get the book. If you think you might be struggling with this, it sounds like it's a wonderful resource. And um, as we as we wrap up, I'd love to ask you a couple questions that we ask all, actually three questions we ask all of our guests. So the first one is, can you share with us how you take care of yourself now on a daily basis? What does your self-care look like? And um, what are your non-negotiables? Mm. Non-negotiables is meditating twice a day. I've been doing that since the eighties and it's totally transformed my life. And now like there's so many cool apps and, you know, resources, whereas before it was like very, like you're reading a book, you're hoping for the best. Um, So my non-negotiable is meditation. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. The next question we ask is what does being courageous mean to you? Being courageous is feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And I was a very fearful young woman when I got out of college, even in college, got out of college. I mean, I was a scaredy cat. I could hardly look you in the eye. So it's this huge transformation for me to be able to be on live TV and, you know, do all of this. But I would say meditation transformed all of that. But in the beginning, I felt the fear and I freaking felt it deep, but I did a lot of things anyway. Thank you. That's great advice. And the final one is, um, do you have a book? Obviously, other than your own, which we recommend anyway, but um, do you have a book that's been particularly meaningful to you in the course of your journey? Really, it can be on anything. Um, Well, it was the book that started me on my spiritual path, and it's called Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, which is, he was the second person to bring yoga to the West. He was a very prolific writer and he um, is not in the body now, but um, the website is srf.org. I think it's self-realization fellowship. And um, that's where you can also learn meditation. So that book totally transformed my life. But on a lighter note, the Dalai Lama's cat series is awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing all of that. I feel I'm just so excited to go even deeper into this world. And thank you for sharing your wealth of knowledge with us today. So if anyone does want to buy your book, if they want to find you online, talk to you, learn more, where can they do all of that? They can do it on Amazon or anywhere, you know, big booksellers sell the book, Healing Sibo. Um, I think it's on sale on Amazon periodically already, which is cool. And then you can find me at SiboSOS.com. We also have a thriving 18,000 person Facebook group, SiboSOS Virtual Community. Just type in SiboSOS and see what comes up. Um, get into the Facebook group because there's a lot of, lot of conversation going on there. Great. Thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.